two, three, go. Hey everybody, it's Aaron Banyan. Timothy Bennett here. Welcome to B&B Banter Bros. And this is episode 13. 13, take two. Take two. After an unfortunate incident. Yep. So we recorded this already, but uh, it got corrupted or got lost somewhere along the way. We're not really sure what happened, but... Yeah, it happens. I mean... It yeah. sucks when it happens, and I'm glad that we weren't making money off this or anything. But uh, the computer thought the episode wasn't good enough, so it told us to redo it. Yep. And you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to the computer. Sometimes it's right. <laughs> so yeah, this is round two, but uh, we've kind of uh, prepared ourselves a little bit better, yeah, we'll and we have less distractions than what happened last time too. Yeah. So my uh, my one and a half year old son was uh, kind he made, of he made a guest appearance towards the end. Yes, he did. So and then didn't leave, <laughs> and it made me run after him in the middle of this. So now that the uh, kid's not here, house, just, house is empty. It's just us. Yep. So and we're uh, we're fresh up on our tunes. So yeah. let's uh, let's talk about what we're gonna do today. Well, first of all, Aram, how are you doing today? I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm up, kicking around. I'm not super sore. Right. So yeah, we're we're actually doing a morning podcast yeah. instead of a late podcast. We're seeing how much how how much better it works if we do it in the morning. Right. We have me, me and Aram have this theory that uh, after a long day at work or just a long day in general, and we get a couple beers in us, it might not be as um, coherent or Co- clear as yeah. uh, we maybe want it to be. Yeah, or? We're basically worried that at the end of the long day, we're just fried to the point where we're not doing as good a job yeah. as we should yeah, be. Yeah, our so. pistons aren't firing in all cylinders at that point, <laughs> and... Uh, so we wanted to try to do yeah. a couple mornings to see if maybe that works a little bit better. Just give them a shot. Yeah, maybe your minds are a little more on peak. So today we are going to do music. We're talking about music. So we're wrapping it back around to music. And uh, we were doing concept albums. Yep. So me and Aaron both have a list of concept albums that we, um, I guess, listened to or liked that we wanted yeah. to talk about. And if you're not familiar what a concept album is, it's when a group or an artist creates an overall theme yeah. to their music, to the whole album. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll kind of talk about that. And yeah. then we're also going to talk about the album. And that's the first thing we'll probably do. Talk about the album that we listened to um, from our last one, which was Casey Musgrave's Golden Hour. Yep. So, and then we'll obviously do our random shuffle songs, and um, and then we'll go on our merry way after that, probably. Yes. <laughs> so, I you boys got to work. So. Yep. So let's uh, let's get let's get let's going. Get let's get it. into it. <coughs> so, Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves. Yes. Um, the. Let's throw a little facts at you first. Yeah. So, Casey Musgraves' Golden Hour was released in March 30th, 2018. So, it's not that old of an album. Nope. No, not I mean, at all. It's, it's, it's barely fresh. two, yeah. Um, and. Surprised they're not pulling more singles off of that to put on the radio. Right? Yeah. I mean, it has, according to what this is saying, it has five singles uh, Butterflies, Space yep. Cowboy, High Horse, Slow Burn. And Rainbow. and I understand that two of those could be singles. The other ones I don't feel like should have been the singles. Yeah. I definitely feel like one of those could definitely be a single for sure because I've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> way before I even knew that this yeah. was a 
an album. Like I had uh, Slow Burn on my playlist for at least a good year. Yeah, I mean, so, Slow Burn sounds like an like a like a single. Yep. And, and like the first three don't to me. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I could kind of see butterflies being. I mean, this is the number one right there. So, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Society's yeah. got an odd obsession with fucking butterflies. I don't know. <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, that's that's what I have to say about that. Kind of give you a little bit of facts. Uh, she's considered to be like she's what is known as a neo-traditional country artist, which means that she has a blend of pop, folk, country, and a little bit of alternative mm-hmm. uh, blending into one sound, and that's kind of what that neo-traditional... She's taken a lot of... Which you definitely hear y- yeah. in various stages of yep. this album. Yeah, a couple of the songs for sure, like I think Slow Burn has probably the most folky influence mm-hmm. to it. I yep. swear, I was just telling Aaron this before we started the podcast, that uh, I feel like she must have been a big influence... Uh, I've heard it was uh, and Fleetwood yeah, Mac. Fleet, yeah. Fleetwood Mac because and until you said something, I wouldn't have even thought it because I mean that's just not my they're not my style either. So yeah. I mean, but I mean knowing what I do of Fleetwood Mac, the little that I do, I could definitely see it. Yeah, they just have that kind of for the time. Fleetwood Mac had that kind of folkier yeah. indie kind of rock influence, <laughs> alternative rock influence. So I mean. I kind of hear it in a lot of their stuff, but she's definitely poppy too. Yeah. And, and I, one thing I will say about the album that is quite impressive and that I probably like the most is for her trying to be more of a influence of like a pop country artist. Mm-hmm. Um, she does a really excellent job at blending those sounds together. Right. Like you have the distinctive, you can tell this is pop, this is folk, this is country, this is whatever. I mean, like, you can really tell in each song very clearly. But one thing that stays consistent is her vocals. She doesn't change her vocals too much. Right. And it's not necessarily too boring. You know, she doesn't have, like, a wide dynamic or wide range in her vocals. But it's very appropriate for the songs that she's writing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I... I'll preface anything I say about this album with it's not my style. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I listened to it. I tried to give it a shot. It had some songs I enjoyed. Yep. It's not my style. <clears throat> so. Hey, I mean, you you gave it a go at least. Yeah. I mean, I tried. <laughs> and th- like I said, I, I fully admit there's at least one or two songs that I enjoy on this uh, this album. But Which is probably more than you thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, considering when you first said it and I hadn't even put together... Like when we first announced it on the last episode, and you told me the name, I automatically assumed it was just a straight country album, and oh. I was all already dreading it. Yeah, you. I think your instant thing is like, oh great. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh Christ. Yep. Um. So, yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised. I think her. I think she has a wonderful voice. Um. She's easy on the eyes too. Yeah, and. uh I think the most interesting part is I, I always found like, and we discussed this I think before like the slide guitar. Mm-hmm. I find slides very interesting when they're incorporated well. Yeah. Um, 
Would that I could find more metal bands that could include a, a slide. But Might be a little tough. Yeah, it would they, be tough. They definitely fit a particular genre. But like blues blues uh, artists and stuff like that that can include a slide, yep. I always find their music to be very interesting. Well, it depends on the kind of slide you're talking about because you can have a slide on a regular guitar, which is used a lot. In fact, yeah. uh, in A Perfect Circle's uh, Judith, he uses a slide. I suppose I'd have to go back and listen to it. Yeah, he uses a slide and, and a part of that song. So yeah. it, it can be used, but then you're, what you're talking about is a steel, or not steel, uh, a slide guitar. I which, think both are both are interesting. Like which, I've seen I've seen bands, I, I went and saw a band called Watermelon Slim and the Workers, and... That old, sounds very racy. It was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was this old dude, like, he used to be a trucker, um, and he, he's the front man for this band, and he plays... He like plays a slide guitar, yep. but like he also has slides and he plays harmonica. Mm-hmm. It was it was a killer killer kind show. Of a one man show. Oh no, he's got a full band with him, but like he he's plays all these things. different things, yeah. like and sings at the same time. I think that's pretty impressive. But he, I'll, I'll play him for you sometime. He's pretty yeah. cool. Um, I think he's like a member of Mensa too, which was interesting. I don't I think know. I know what that is. Mensa? Yeah. Oh, uh, he's, if you look at it, it was basically a. a Kind of like a smart person club. That's oh. the the simplest way to. to well, that's why I haven't heard of it. Right. <laughs> We're not invited. No. <laughs> but yeah. So I'm what they call street smarts. <laughs> I have to work really hard to be book smart. I uh, I don't claim to be smart in anything. Like I just I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. I feel that too, but I consider myself to be more street aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even like to call it street smarts because it's not really smart. It's more of you experience it. You figure shit yeah. out, and that to me is more knowledge. Yeah. It's wisdom. So I'm more street wise than There's I am. Kevin Smith bit. Like I didn't, I didn't grow up on the street. I grew up on a street. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who said that. Something was, oh, I went into projects. It's like, that's not a finished, pro- that's not a finished thing. <laughs> it's, it's still on a go. It's still working. <laughs> it's like, um, anyway, yeah. let's, uh, let's, get into let's get into it. So I think we can kind of push through these songs. So Slow Burn <coughs> is the first track in Golden Hour. This is my favorite track by, you know, by a long shot for me. It's, yep. it's definitely like, it's the one that was on my playlist. I super, super enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think that the this the tone of the song is a kind of a slower mellower pace uh yeah. and it has the most to me the most folky indie sound of a blend that you can get together you can kind of hear like there might be a little bit slight of a country swing to it but for the most part yeah. it sounds a lot more of a folky indie song and uh lyrically i i think that it's a pretty pretty appropriate song lyrically too so yeah um i remember i probably just didn't get give this uh enough of a, a try because i automatically assumed it was about a boy and i just like went with it yeah but listening back to it listening to the lyrics like we listened to a little bit beforehand i could definitely see where it's not it's more of a broader picture like she's just talking about life in general yep um so i mean i can definitely have more respect for the song uh i still like I hate that warble she does on the on the chorus. I don't know why it bugs yeah. me. 
Um, it's just it's not audibly pleasing to me. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel like the song has more of the hey, you know, life is life. We're gonna we're gonna live it, but you don't need to rush through everything. Kind of accept things and embrace things a little bit more, and maybe you'll have more of an appreciation for the life you have. Because mm. um, I mean, in the chorus, she's like, "I'm all right with a slow burn, taking my time, let the world turn." I mean, that right there to me goes. Yeah, just kick back and enjoy life a little more. Yeah. You know, do what you got to do and get through it. Second song is Lonely Weekend, and me and you both agree that it was a good song. Yeah. Uh, it definitely had more per- of a poppier, per- upbeat Yeah, perfectly song. listenable. Yep. Like, it's not, it's not going to change the world in any way, shape, or no. form, but it's perfectly listenable. It's It's a fine song. Yep. And I think we even were talking about that the chorus, when you reach up to the chorus, you have these nice tom rolls on the drums, and um, it leads into what you said sounds like it belongs to a montage to some kind of romantic comedy yeah. movie. And I definitely, after listening to it again, uh, I, could totally, I could totally see that. I, I can agree. It definitely sounds, the song sounds like it belongs in the soundtrack yeah, of some kind of romantic sure. comedy. Some kind of hopeless in love, you know, girl who's just isolated and alone and she doesn't know why. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, uh, that's probably the most memorable part of that song for me is like, like when I heard it again, I went, that's a montage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's next? Uh, butterflies, butterflies, which Aram has a little bit of a grudge against. I, I just that's a very heavy-handed metaphor, and I think I think personally speaking, the world has way too much of a hard on for butterflies. <laughs> um, not that they're not pretty, but I mean, this is they're not the only thing that's pretty. Like you don't have to put a butterfly on fucking everything. Yeah, I mean, uh, people love that. The, the metaphor that it brings, a metamorphosis of, of yeah. what the butterflies go through, transitioning to one thing to another. But I think what I... What I, they don't get is a lot of insects do that. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Ants do that. Snakes. Yeah. I mean, snakes shed its skin every so often, yeah. and it's a, it's a new thing. It's a, it's exactly. A, so I definitely agree, but because they're pretty... Which, to be honest, I don't think butterflies are all that pretty. I think they can be. Some can be. Yep. Not all. Like, the monarch butterfly, which is probably the most common one you see because yep. it's orange. Yep, and spotted. And, and, you know, and that it's not that pretty. Nope. And I also feel like there are some of those exotic-looking yeah. butterflies. Those are the ones, like, bright-colored butterflies, yep. for sure. There's think- one that—there's, like, a moth that— like when it spreads its wings, it actually is the face of an owl, and that's its oh, camouflage. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah. cool. Kaylee like, loves that that moth. She she likes moths for some reason. <coughs> She's weird. She even has a tattoo on her leg of a moth. That is weird. Yep. <laughs> she also has a mug. It's full of moths. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. She's drinking moths. <laughs> she's, she's fucking weird. <laughs> Love her to death, but she's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> But then she sees a moth in real life. She's like, oh, get it away. <laughs> kill it, kill it. Right. No, I, I don't. She's not quite that girly. Not yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I will say, though, you you did think it was pretty impressive how she used the word. Yeah. Um, she wrote into the song. Into I, the song, yep. I have to, I have to <laughs> give her credit for that because I, you know, 
I wouldn't have been able to do that. Right? I, I don't know if I would have been able to it had taken me. It. it probably would have taken me years if I had had the idea to put it in the song. It would have taken me years to fucking write it in a way that made it work. <laughs> yeah, she definitely makes it work. It's very appropriate. And uh, it goes, I was hiding in doubt till you brought me out of my chrysalis. Yeah. And I came out new. All because of you. Now, first of all, <laughs> butterflies can't be forced out of their cocoons. Right. They have to go through that transition. They merge on their own. Yep. Otherwise, they would probably die. Yeah. So. And then they can't be touched. Oh, God. Yeah. Can't touch a butterfly. You t- if you touch a butterfly's wings, it ruins it. They can't fly after that. Oh, is it like because how delicate they are? The, the, yeah, the, the, oils they, or? The, the oils and stuff on the wings like get fucked up. Don't touch butterflies anyway. Right. <laughs> it's not cool, man. <laughs> they have feelings, too. Haven't you ever watched Bugs Life? She wasn't really a central character of that movie. No, but I'm saying insects have feelings. Yeah, insects. I thought you were saying butterflies. It's like the butterfly wasn't really the, the main thrust of that movie. No, he was a giant caterpillar that had little wings. Oh, no. Way to go, Aaron. Way to go. Making a bunch of ruckus. At least the can was empty. Right. Thank you. <laughs> so that was uh, butterflies. butterflies. Track three. Now let's go to four. Oh, what a world. Yeah. Uh, I like the song. I mean, I think both agreed that we thought this was a pretty decent song. Yeah. And this was the one that uh, you Starts said. like a Daft Punk album? Yeah. Definitely modern song. Yeah. So, like, the last couple songs, you can definitely tell it was more of her, like, style yeah. uh, that they were kind of going for. Especially yeah, Butterflies. It uh, had a lot more guitar and, uh, like, country and indie sort of feel to them yep. this one definitely thrust itself way into modern and it was yeah it was definitely a lot more electronics in fact i think this is a song that i was telling you about the whole drums yeah yeah we got talking about yeah, drums for a bit. it kind of went on a on a pop drum engineering thing where pretty much the bass the the they they used a real drum kit and a real drummer and then they um, kind of layered it with some digital stuff. So they brought the kick bass and they brought that up to make it more of a boom, which is more of a pop yeah. sound, electronic pop sound too. And then they added a their snare snap. They yeah. added a digital um, or a synth snare to add a fuzziness to that snap. And they just kind of layered that and blended it. And it definitely works though. It's a good song. I liked it. Lyrically, I think it was okay. I didn't think it was yeah. anything I would go life-changing or profound, right. but it was good. Um, the tune was definitely pretty decent, but I agree. Right away, it sounds like Well, because, it, yeah, it's, it's like, it's vocals, but it's very, like, very digitized, mm-hmm. and I was like, what the hell is happening right now? Yep. Yep. It's definitely a, a sharp turn from what you'd been doing. Yeah, definitely. All of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, this is different." <laughs> yeah. So. So, um, what's next? Mother. Mother. Track five. I. Oh, sweet little song. Yeah, it's like only a minute and eighteen, 18 seconds. seconds. You said. Yeah. Uh, definitely has a meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely will say that I liked that meaning. The song itself was okay. It was a slower song. Yep. And the song itself was okay. Uh, the melody and and tune and whatnot. But it just sound, to me, it sounded like she had more of an appreciation for mothers or a mother or something yeah, like. Definitely, I, I didn't necessarily because I, I didn't read the lyrics. I didn't necessarily, you know, full grasp of what she was talking about. But right. something to me just says she has some appreciation or respect for 
her mother or a mother yeah, or I mother types. It sounds like it might have been a broader... Whew. Sorry, I'm yawning. I've only been up for like an hour, so... Um, it sounds like it was more of a broader stroke to all mothers for part of the... I feel like she probably did both. She probably started talking about hers and then went mm-hmm. into mothers in general. Yeah. Would be my guess. <clears throat> but I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because it just was a quick song. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Love is a Wild Thing, which this was another song that I think was more modern yeah. sounding. And I don't think I really cared too much for it. I didn't think it was anything special. Yeah, I, don't think, yeah, I think we were both kind of in the same page. Like It just it was like, meh. Nothing, definitely nothing that really... Nothing bad to say about it, but yeah. nothing really great to contribute to it either. Yep. I, do, I will say that there are a couple lines in the song that I liked uh, for her verse, which was running like a river, trying to find the ocean, flowers in the concrete, climbing over fences, blooming in the shadows, places that you can't see, coming through the melody. When the night bird sings, love is a wild thing. Yeah, I guess that's probably the chorus. But either either way, I, I like that first little yeah. bit where it's like running like a river trying to find the ocean, flower in the concrete. Very poetic. Yeah. Very poetic. Nothing too original, but very poetic and oh, most definitely. I like poetry. So uh next song, Space Cowboy. I think this is another song that we've talked about before where uh definitely not like my favorite or anything, but yeah. I remember when we did this when we recorded last time you had said that you kind of have an appreciation on the play of words. Yeah. Well, yeah, just the way, like, because, you know, the song song is titled Space Cowboy. There's no punctuation in there. Nope. But, like, if you listen to the song, it's, I'm going to give you your space, comma, cowboy. cowboy. So you t- you're supposed to take a breath between space and cowboy. Yeah. Because she's addressing somebody. <laughs> yeah. She definitely makes that clear, too, in the lyrics yeah. that she's kind of giving this person whatever it is like yeah I mean, you the, go do you boo she says you like you I'll give you your space cowboy like I'm not gonna fence you in mm-hmm. and it talks about him driving off in his Durango which is a very specific truck but <laughs> Silverado uh, is it Silverado yeah. go on your ride away in your Silverado oh some, some car freak is gonna be real mad that I got fucking models and <laughs> stuff mixed up <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now I don't care don't give a fuck a car right. or a truck. If it gets me to point A to point B, yeah. I'm okay with that. That's all I need. Now... Wonder Woman, is that next? Nope. Happy and Sad. Happy and Sad. Oh, yeah. This is a song I didn't really care for. It was This not, was the one that was super country. Yeah. And it just wasn't... Like, it, you know, uh, Oh, What a World went really modern yep and this one thrust right into country yep and I'm just I'm not about that life yeah I mean it, it just in general I didn't really care for the song I don't uh, the I don't, the lyrics it's not even that impressive I don't think is not, it? not really but it does have like that point of I think she's talking about her career We've talked about this before. I think she's not not really talking about anybody particular as much as maybe a career where she's getting the both worlds where she's sad and she's happy and she uses those and different things kind of, you know, as an artist. Sure. It's kind of how I I got to it, but I just didn't care for the the melody or the tune of the song itself. Yeah. Um, I understand that. It just was something I didn't click too much with. 
Then we have Velvet Elvis, which we both agreed that we yeah, enjoyed. We both thoroughly enjoyed that yeah. song. It's a lot, my favorite song on the album. Yep, a lot more upbeat, definitely more like yeah. '90s feel to it, yep. '90s modern feel, like a '90s pop. Sure. Uh, oh yeah. And it was catchy <clears throat> lyrically. It was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, she's it, comparing this person that she's falling for to Velvet Elvis, and which I, which I mean, I remember like Elvis, like Velvet. Like paintings, like yeah. of Elvis, and then it screams like I remember it in like somebody's trailer, like that I was like visiting. So I like it to me, it just screams trailer park. <laughs> well, she does have an album called Yeah, yeah same uh, trailer, different park. Yep. Which that's her is that her first album? I don't know. Maybe we'll I would have to that. I would have to look at that. Someday we'll figure that out. But it's still a catchy tune. It's good. Yeah. It's upbeat. Like I said, very nineties. 90s modern bop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I use the term modern just because, like, you, you have pop country, which you can definitely tell it's a country song in pop, yep. but I'm bringing the idea that she's more of a modern pop yeah, with some country influences and stuff. Most definitely. So, stop yawning here. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trying not to. Uh, 10. Track 10, Wonder Woman. Wasn't a big fan. Yeah, it was just... It, yeah, there was just nothing about this song that was entertaining or lyrically it was kind of bleh. yeah she's pretty much saying lyrically that don't put me on a pedestal i'm not yeah. don't have high expectations of me i'm not going to be that person that you right you seem to fantasize about i'm not your wonder woman i'm I like mean, hey i give you props that's a for fair that. message but yeah. i mean i don't feel like you need to tell people that they're going to assume that i think a lot of people are going to do that on their own <laughs> yeah yep it definitely reminded me of jack quaid and plus one yeah so, <laughs> such a bitch. No oh god. Uh, track eleven, high horse. Once again, wasn't really a song I cared for that much. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I remember it being. This is a very uh, country pop. Yeah, and I, I think lyrically, I, I kind of liked it because she's pretty much just saying they're she's talking about an asshole. Yeah. She's yeah. bluntly saying she's, I think at the beginning she's like, You think you're John Wayne? Yep. Oh, I bet you think you're John Wayne showing up and shooting down everybody. You're classic in the wrong way. And we all know the end of that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely talking about some some dude she fucking doesn't like. Yeah, I mean she straight out says because everyone knows someone who kills the buzz every time they open up their mouth. Yeah. Yeah, so uh Definitely talking about some some high on this pedestal or high horse, obviously. Yeah. That's the name of the song. But uh, once again, musically, meh. Right. Eh. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it was definitely not some one of my favorites on the album by any means. Mm-hmm. Next song, title track, Golden Hour. Not a bad tune. This was, yeah, this is fine. Yep, very mellow. Yeah. Very kind of chilled. Definitely sounded like a coffee house. Yeah. You know. Definitely something you could play in the background and like be fine with. Yeah, pretty much saying like whoever she's falling in love with, this person that's kind of come into her life has caught her at the right moment, and or, or time was perfect because it was golden hour. Now, last time I'm going to do it again, Aram. So, golden hour. If you're unfamiliar with golden hour, uh, photographers it. and videographers and filmmakers and stuff like that use golden hour to really. Uh, kind of as, as a specialty so it's between like it's like dusk and dawn are the times that you want to go out and shoot out in, in nature because it casts a perfect diffusion 
perfect filter and you get some of the most beautiful glorious shots without having to put extra gear or extra lenses or extra filters on your lenses to make that shot look good they just everything in golden hour turns out beautiful and so she's using that metaphorically to say this is the perfect moment everything yeah. is beautiful and done very well lyrically yeah so i definitely i definitely like it um yeah next album or next song next album Calm next down, song uh rainbow rainbow nice i liked it yeah nice it's song. it's a slower song piano yeah. song uh i i remember i first heard it when uh it was on the mass singer um one of the contestants and think i'm a jig i think it was what it was, yep. what he was called he did it i thought it was I thought he did a wonderful job with it personally, and uh, I didn't realize it was, you know, an actual a song by her. But I liked it. Yep. Yeah. No, it was kind of a. A lot of albums like to end their albums with like a softer acoustic song yeah. or something like that, and uh, she was really no different. Dracula Logic does it all the time. Oh my God! Beautiful songs too. Yep. Like they're they're only songs I like off of their stuff, but they go into this hardcore kind of growly, grungy, raw kind of. They're, yeah, they're music. very aggressive, and then yep. when they they end on a song that's so beautiful, that's you know acoustic yeah, and beautiful. acoustic and beautiful, and I think at least one of them is very haunting. Yeah, nope, I agree, and it's like three three albums I think that they had they yep. each tra- each song ended with a nice acoustic beautiful song. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's veering off topic. Again. Yep. Um, so so that is Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves. Is it overall, Musgrave or Musgraves? Musgraves. Is it okay? Can't remember if there was an S at the end. Overall, it's a it's a fine album. I mean, yeah, it's I like I didn't hate it as much as I worried I would. Yep. If I was um, to give it a star rating, you know, between one and five, I'd definitely give it a good solid four. Sure. Four and a half even. Like, I enjoyed it. I listened to it quite a bit, like six or seven yeah. times. And it was definitely an album I enjoyed and wouldn't mind having on in the background when I'm, like, reading or writing or yeah. doing chores or something. So I definitely dug it. I'd at least give it a, you know, a three just because I was much more pleasantly surprised by it than I expected. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'd definitely at least give it a three. You know, For like sure, say, it's not. It's definitely not something I'm going to go out of my way to listen to. But in and I, I said that already. Like it's not. It's not whatever. But yep. Well, all right, we're moving on to our concept albums. On. I feel like we can probably go through this fairly quick because well, <laughs> we've already done this. I was like, yeah, we've, we've got practice at this so, point. So, Aram, I will let you go first again. Well, I think the. First one we'll go with, we'll just go right back in order, I guess, the way we did last time, uh, is uh, A Perfect Circle's 13th Step, and I know that's on both of our lists. Yep. Um, it was released in 2003. and September 16th, yep, 2003. I only had the year. The year I didn't have the exact date, I'm sorry. It's our second studio album. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're also one of those bands because... Maynard goes and does tool stuff too in between. It's like a three Maynard year. does so many things in between albums. It's true. <laughs> he, they take like three years apart between each album very yeah. much. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, it's our second studio album. Um, came out right after I graduated from high school. 
Um, I saw them. I saw them after this album came out in the Fargo Civic Center, which was not an awesome venue, but they were fine. They yeah. they put on a good show. Um, but it's a it's so yeah it's a concept album about the according to the Wikipedia thing it's different aspects and perspectives of addiction and the recovery from it. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, Maynard himself hasn't had any right. addiction problems, but this is the sign of a of a true artist. Yep. Because he's able to take perspective from those around him and just and for that matter, it's a song about the like the version of like the drug itself mm-hmm. um so i mean it's that's an artist right there unfortunately yeah. it's one of those things where if you didn't if you didn't know what the album was about i don't think i would have picked it up I, I have a hard time with maynard deciphering maynard's lyrics yeah he's very <laughs> he's very deep and he's very layered when yeah. it comes to that sort of stuff um i would say that i was not when it came out i probably wasn't mature enough Yes. To grasp it as a concept album, I just took it as an album. Yeah. Um, I was going to listen to it now. I probably yeah, could definitely. It out, like yeah. listening to it now, and like I think in the past couple of years, there's a couple of songs that I'm like, oh man, that kind of feels like this, and like knowing what I do about, you know, alcoholics or Narcotics Anonymous and, and the Twelve Steps themselves, like bits and pieces I started to put together and like go, oh yeah, I get it now. And then when I, when I read that it was actually supposed to be all about addiction and the aspects of it and recovery, and I was like, okay, oh, yeah, I get I, it. I totally see it now. Yeah. I definitely didn't, wasn't aware that it was uh, different perspectives too. Right. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't have gotten that at all. Even if I knew it was about drug addiction or addiction in itself, yeah. I probably would never have been able to piece together that he, he was talking about different perspectives from all sides right no so, I, I wouldn't know either but that's there's very few people that i think could really without any problems be able to fully grasp what maynard is doing at any point in yeah. time i know that the song the outsider was about the perspective of watching somebody like a friend watching another friend go through this yeah addiction struggling with it and then this friend not really grasping and understanding the complexity and the hardship that that addiction takes on a person and going well you should just kind of shrug it off yeah. get over it man Grow but up. yeah but um that like learning about that I was like wow that totally mm-hmm. that's, some, that's some good shit right there and then we can power this obviously this right there the title well that's that's all about the i believe the first step um, which is just admitting that you're powerless over your own addiction. Yep. Um, yep, admitting you have a problem. And, yeah, and yep. that's that's all that is. And I mean, the the title of the the album, Thirteen Steps, takes that uh, AA, you know, hmm? the alcohol, yeah, the twelve steps, twelve yeah. step problem, and then the thirteenth step was that idea. I think about just falling back, falling into back it, yeah. into it, like it's a cycle. Yep. Yeah. And fortunately, to those who do have that addiction problem and have come through recovery like more props to you because i mean i've never battled with addiction necessarily myself um but i can only imagine it being extremely tough because i just look at the simplest thing where like cravings Mm -hmm. where if i don't eat you know like i have craving for a cookie and all of a sudden these cravings just develops i want a fucking cookie and i want it now i can only imagine that if you're actually an addict if you're actually addicted to something so much worse <laughs> than a goddamn yeah. cookie, I mean, that's 
it's not a great comparison. It's just the only thing I can think of to go. No, I, I think it, I can. I don't think it's understand. a terrible comparison. I think because I, I think it's probably the concept of being an addict, but like it's like almost like a hundred times fold. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just the best way I can kind of try to understand. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously more more aspects to oh, it, God, but yes. it's a it's a that's a pretty decent like base understanding of yeah. it, I think. And that's that's all I can get. Right. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah that was a that was definitely the album that we both had on yeah. our list. So I'm gonna take it one step further and yep. go I had their third studio album, Emotive. Right. Um so a Perfect Circles Emotive album that came out November first, two thousand four. So it actually didn't take as long compared to the first album to the second album. Hmm. Um, this is their third studio album, and the album is a, pretty much primarily a collective of anti-war cover songs. So the whole album is cover songs, but they were more like anti-political and anti-war. So they found songs that they decided to cover and make their own style. Amazingly done, too. Yeah. And um, they, they made it their own, and that's definitely what they're talking about. I know Maynard was very anti-Bush when this came out. It was right around the Bush administration, and mm-hmm. he was very anti-Bush because we were also going we were going to war. We we're still in war. We we're still doing the whole Iraq yeah. war, and I, he was very vocal about how much he disagrees with the reasoning we were there, all the decisions that were being made. I mean, he was very vocal about it. Um, I stay out of politics, but I definitely understand. You're my best to do the same thing. Yep, I definitely understand where he was coming from. Um, Maynard, at least, was coming from right. <laughs> But he's not afraid to speak his opinions or speak his thoughts either. That's true. He's been known to be quite the asshole. But at least doesn't mince words, which yeah. is yeah, admirable at times. But yeah, it can definitely get him to trouble sometimes. Yeah. There definitely are a couple tracks on this album that I absolutely love. The first track on the album called Annihilation. It is a hauntingly beautiful song. And... It has this like tinker toy, you know, xylophone sound in the back, oh, yeah, yeah. and then it's got Maynard like whispering through the entire song, and it's it's really eerie and, and haunting, but it's it's good, it's well done. Right um, on. And then obviously, my favorite song on the album is "Passive," which was on the soundtrack to Constantine mm-hmm. when he was entering the club, uh, Papa Midnight's club. The song was playing in the background. And um oh, midnight, I forgot about it. Isn't that uh Idris Elba? No. No? It's I can't ever pronounce his name, but it's the guy that was in um shit. He was in Never Back Down, he was in oh, Gladiator. Yes. Um he's the the main slave yeah. in Gladiator. Gee. I can't yeah, ever I pronounce can't his name. I'm not gonna do it right. No, no. I'm not gonna try. He's in Blood Diamond. Yep. Super badass actor. Oh, yeah, Very actor. I've I've always liked him. Um, but he, Maynard actually wrote that song with Trent Reznor in a kind of super group called Tapeworm that never recorded a single song, never went to studio for anything, but it was just a super group over the years that had members flying in and out. Yeah. And, um, probably because he's like, we talked about, nobody could probably work with Trent Reznor. He's such a control freak, (laughs) but that was one of the songs that he took and, yeah, it's a beautiful song. I love it. And then they did the biggest justice I think that you could do for for any Beatles fan mm-hmm. is they covered John Lennon's "Imagine." Yeah, and it is 
dark and beautiful. Such a beautiful song. It's a great song to begin with. Very political, but definitely was one of those songs when they covered, sure. they did a great job making it their own, not taking anything away from it, and I definitely appreciate that and like it. Yeah. So that was uh, that was my my album. So. <laughs> All right. So my next album is uh, Ziltoid the Omniscient, which is by Devin Townsend. It was released on May 21st, 2007. There, I got the full date on that one for you. <laughs> Good um, job. And so basically, Devin wrote this album just... He wanted to do the whole thing on his own. And so he wrote this album about an, an extraterrestrial called Ziltoid coming from from the planet Ziltoidia 9. And Ziltoid travels to Earth in search of your universe's ultimate cup of coffee. Which I think is great. A cup of coffee is delivered to him, and he is promptly appalled by its taste, declaring it fetid, and summons the Ziltoidian warlords to attack Earth, facing the full might of Earth's army. Townsend describes the album as a mix between Strapping Young Lad and the Devin Townsend Project with the storyline that of Punky Brewster's Cooked on Phonics. Strapping Young Lad, Devin Townsend Project, and Punky Brewster are all Devin Townsend bands. So, like, that's all... It's just... It's an amalgamation of his work. Um, But, yeah, he did all the work by himself. Um, I mean, he's a super fucking talented guy to begin with. Yeah, so it's not not a shocker there. Yeah, it was just, that was like the first time I think he did it all by himself, where like he didn't have any other musicians <laughs> come in, and like he just did it to show that he to show himself, not even anyone else. Just he did to show himself, himself that he can do it. That I can do it. And, and then he uh, decided to do a story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's just the kind of guy like Devin is. Like Devin's kind of a a funny guy. Yeah, like he's got kind of an imagination of that. Well, he's that sort of consistently doing something too. He, yeah, he can't not do something because when he stopped doing music for a while he wrote a book <laughs> yeah well and i think part of it now at least he's you know sober and stuff like that so i think he does it to maintain sobriety it's fair which that's yeah, fair. If it works, idle hands it works. is the devil's playground that's right um i think i stole that from idle hands <laughs> i mean that's not where i <laughs> no i stole it from, from idle hands <laughs> i wanted to make sure that like, we were both on the same page that's no. not where that line came from <laughs> but it's probably where i I like swear where a lot of guys are. Yep. Yeah. It made the most impact. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah. Um, you're up. Mine? Sweet. Yeah. Next album is going to be Transatlanticism, which is by Death Cab for Cutie. I love Death Cab for Cutie. They're an alternative indie uh, rock band. One of those bands where they've been around since like the late '90s, like '97, I think, like that, something like that. Sounds about right. Um, and this album is their fourth studio album, so they kind of took quite a bit of time. But it came out in 2003, October 7th, 2003. Their singles off this album was "The New Year," "The Sound of Settling," "Title," and "Registration." But I probably haven't heard anything um about these guys when it came out or anything right. it wasn't until recently you know because i kind of went on like, this whole death cab for cutie kick oh sure i mean i still love them and it all started with i, I first heard soul meets body 
And I was like, oh, that's a great song. I really liked it. And then I heard I Will Follow You Into the Dark, which is such a haunting and beautiful acoustic song. Yeah. And after that, I just was like, yep, pretty pretty obsessed with Death Cat for Cutie. They're definitely one of those bands where I love to just put on and, and background music and sure. listen to them because they're so mellow, but they they have some range, but they're not boring. I even bought two of their vinyl albums because they sound great on vinyl. That warmth that vinyl brings is perfect for their music. So yeah. I know uh, Adam Brody. He was in like Jennifer's Body. He was in uh, Grind. He was oh, in yeah, yeah, DOC. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. His favorite band is Death Cab for Cutie and like oh, Bright cool. Eyes. And don't, I don't know how I know that. I just <laughs> do. So anyway, the the album, the concept of the album was about longing to be loved and the separation and isolation that kind of comes together. Um, so Ben Gibbard was, he's the singer. He was at an airport and he was watching these people say goodbye to each other. And it just kind of clicked to him. Like they may never, ever see each other again. Like this could be the last time that they see touch talk and given where he was at in an airport, you know, going across seas, he uses the geographical ocean for a metaphor and the way that he uses it is actually pretty interesting because he's saying that the distance apart could be that it's that whole longing oh I wish you were here but you're so far apart yeah and yet the isolation of the ocean itself is there as well and that's kind of how you could feel you could be in the middle of the ocean and still feel you know miles and miles away yeah um, even though you could be halfway there to that love you're still isolated you're still alone so it's it's kind of a sadder darker album but um super good and i think that i really liked the idea of kind of that using that uh, the ocean as a as a big giant metaphor yeah <laughs> so but that's all i gotta say about that one right on uh then i think my next one is going to be uh nightfall in middle earth by blind guardian which was released in 1998 April 28th 1998 uh, which a long is, time ago yeah they've been around for a while I think this is like their I think at this point this might be like their fourth or fifth album uh, but so it's basically them retelling the Silmarillion um, which is a book by Tolkien about which a book of tales from the first age of Middle Earth, recounting the War of the Jewels. Um, I don't know. I've never read the Silmarillion, so I don't know that reference per se. But nope. I'm sure if I wanted to like dive into Wikipedia, I probably could. Um, we talked about that book particularly. Yeah, it's supposed series. to be super dense and very hard to like follow per se. Um. But yeah, I, just, I I enjoy Blind Guardian in general. Um, them, I think we talked the last time about the Blind Guardian and Iced Earth are kind of um, put together in, in group, and they actually formed a super group called Demons and Wizards. Um, uh, Iced Earth has an, I've never listened to Iced Earth, so I haven't like I didn't put any of their shit on there. But Iced Earth, another one, has a bunch of concept albums. Yep, I I've listened to Iced Earth before. Yeah, I mean they're not. They're a little too, like, 80s metal yeah. for me, but 
they're not bad. Well, they, by they, any they means. have one album that's just based on Spawn. Which yeah, you told which me about I think, that. I thought that was bad. It's called the Dark Saga or something like that. That's bad. I, I kind of I really want to listen to it just because I I like Spawn. Yeah, Spawn's badass. Um, but like so, I mean, in each of these, each of the songs on this album are referencing a point in the book. Like my favorite song, like is called uh, Nightfall, and I, I don't know the characters in these books, but this, so this is the reference point. It just says. Fanor and his seven sons mourn the destruction wrought by Morgoth, including the slaying of Finway, and Finway, Fanor's father, and swears to get revenge on him in spite of Valor's dis- disapproval. That's the thrust of that whole song. That's one section of the book. Yeah, which never read the book, so yeah. And you know, there's other ones like you know, Blood Tears is another good one. Uh, Time stands still, uh, and then in parentheses it says at the Iron Hill. Um, which I assume is about a battle of some kind. Oh, it's about a duel. Um, yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I just think, I don't know, they're the only band I've ever bought a live album from. Yeah, you told me um, that, yep. It's a, it was a two-disc set, actually, so it was a pretty lengthy concert. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. It's, it's, like a, it's a concept album, like, to, in its truest form, like it's all about the Silmarillion. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. There's no hiding behind it. Yeah. There's no, no metaphors. There's or no, no deeper meaning. Yep. And it's literally just them telling this. And they do all sorts of stuff like that. Like they have. They literally have just a song called "The Lord of the Rings," which yep. is yeah, a telling of Lord of the Rings musically. Yep. Um, which is cool. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole reason why we're doing concept art or albums, not artists, albums, is because. Uh, it's I think you said it, you always think they're fascinating but yeah. just to see what people can really bring up yep um, and I, tell the story through music too like an actual story especially if they take it from some kind of literature yeah some kind of book then if you're familiar with the book you might be able to piece together certain things like most people are familiar with you know Lord of the Rings and I know that Led Zeppelin has a couple songs that they've sung about Lord of the Rings and uh, so it's when you hear those things, you kind of go, oh, I know that. It's almost like you're a part of this special club. Right. <laughs> it makes you feel good. But, yeah, I I think that's kind of cool. I, I definitely want to listen to that Spawn. Yeah. I want to see how badass it is. So. All right, you're up, sir. So the next concept album that I'm going to talk about is from one of my favorite bands as well that I've talked about plenty of times is Blue October mm-hmm. and their album Any Man in America. This was released August 11, 2011 and it's their sixth studio album. And the singles off this was The Chills, The Feel Again, Stay, and The Worried List. So i've mentioned about blue october i've actually mentioned about this album before and a couple songs before in other podcasts but mm. this was a album it was a dark and deep and an emotional ride of an album and it's all his reflection and him kind of going through emotions about his horrible pretty much defeating uh, divorce from his ex-wife and child custody and it's 
I think I mentioned this before as well, but his ex-wife had an affair while he was out yep. doing his thing, and she blamed him for it and said, you failed as a as a father and a husband and because you were out there living your dream. And then he kind of threw it in her face going, well, how do you think you have this house that you lived in and all this stuff? And he uses right. that in the lyrics. But anyway, the one song that always stood out to me is because personally I think it's one of, probably one of the most like really emotionally like empathetic songs like you really feel like you really understand mm-hmm. where his mindset was was called The Flight yeah The Lincoln to Minneapolis it the whole song is about him at an airport and he just found out that his wife had an affair and he's he's just he blacked out and he lost his mind and he was getting ready to go kill this person he was getting ready to get on a plane and go kill these two he was going to kill him to some degree yep and he straight out said I'm getting ready to kill a man like but he had some kind of sense to turn himself in and said I, I need I need help uh, otherwise I'm going to do this yeah he was then court ordered to because of this incident he had a, a mental breakdown in an airport and because of this incident he was required by the court to check himself into an insane asylum mm-hmm. and he spent quite a while in there in recovering and dealing with his his uh, various issues. Yeah, so he's known for having bipolar disorder, depression, and addiction, and those three are not a good combination. No, <laughs> so, no, that's a very terrible cocktail. And for most of his life, he's been battling with that. And the song "Hate Me" says a lot because it pretty much says what he's done to his mother and how his mother deserves a better son. Mm-hmm. than what yeah. he's provided and this this album is really no different than what Justin has provided it's a fantastic album very emotional very everywhere he kind of definitely is getting some some expressive relief right on this album this is like his therapeutic session right here this is his yeah. therapy he's getting this shit out yeah and uh he does it well very well I've always had an appreciation for Justin and how his writing is and his singing too because he sings with his emotions. He knows how to really Yeah, I can feel the dynamic cuz he'll go into a soft melody and just next thing you know he's angry and yeah, screaming and it's so appropriate. He knows how to make it work in everything he does. So uh Yeah. Yeah, I don't It's a great great album if you really want to hear some shit <laughs> so well, that's that's what i got for that All right um before i get into the really deep-seated stuff the next album i'm going to talk about is uh the warp riders by the sword um which is a concept album it was based on a short story that the lead singer wrote mm-hmm um, I was reading the Wikipedia thing. It says, uh, first, it says, concept of a science fiction maelstrom put to the storming, relentless riffage. Oh, this is like the blurb that the band released, so sorry. I got into that for a moment. Um, <laughs> it's okay. We'll you. <laughs> so, Warp Riders tells the tale of Aerith, an archer banished from his tribe on the planet Asheron. A hard scrabble planet that has undergone a tidal lock, which has caused one side to be scorched by three suns, and the other enshrouded in perpetual darkness. It is. That the sounds ba- like a terrible place to live. It is the background to a tale of strife and fantasy, the battle between pure good and pure evil. How it's told through the dueling league guitar. Oh, blah blah blah. blah, 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 blah. 
But yeah, so he basically took a lot of like different um, inspirations, like you know, the Legend of Atlantis, uh, old heavy metal magazines. Um, <laughs> and he also says he took like the films of Rene Laloux, who I don't know, a French animator and film director. A Childhood Dream and The Teachings of Don Juan by Carlos Cast- Castaneda, to name a few. <laughs> Interesting. That's quite um, the influence. Yeah, so, I mean, it, yeah, it's all it's all mixed up. The title track is probably the best one for me. It wasn't one of the singles, which I didn't realize, but, uh, the yeah, The Warp Riders is probably the best song on there, but Trace Brujas, which is Three Witches in Spanish, um, is another good track. Interesting. Um I, I always found the sword kind of interesting because the, the way they sound versus what they actually play about is very interesting. Kind of different. It's almost, almost an opposite. Yeah, because they play thing. almost very sludgy, sort of like, almost like you you wouldn't be surprised to hear New like rock metal. Yeah, and then they sing about like fucking. They sing about you know giants and and swords and things like that. Yep. Oh, I find them interesting. Uh, I probably didn't do it as much justice as I could have, but uh, it's it's worth a listen. Um, I know the sword. I've never really been. I never really gave them a shot, to be honest. But I nothing that really stood out to me that I heard. I know they had a song on Guitar Hero, and that yeah, song never. And that really, was like their first single, and that's it's it's not my favorite song by them. Um, they've definitely matured as they've gotten older, like. And gone on. Um, mm-hmm. Twilight Sunrise is a newer song of theirs that I enjoy off of Used Future. That's what I think that's their newest album, but I think they just released a couple singles, so they're probably putting out another one soon. Yeah. But yeah, they, they're, and they're not something I listen to a ton of, um, but I like some of their music, so I figured I'd throw them on here. Because it was another one where it was like, it was a legit concept, and I thought it was interesting that he based it off of a short story that he wrote. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. I, I would actually like to read that short story. Yeah, so would I. I have to find where it is at some point. It's, it definitely... I mean, that sounds like a horrible place to live. Three sons. Yeah. <laughs> so one one side of the, the place is consumed in all darkness, and the other is blazing, yeah. burnt, and... God, it sounds horrible. Uh, yeah. I should give them a shot. I mean, it's worth a try. I mean, can't say I don't like them. Right, I exactly. Them. Like I say, it, Freya, which is the one that was on Guitar Hero, is not. It was th- their first single, so it was what it was. But it wasn't anything that I really can't enjoyed. really define their their music yeah. because of that one song. That was and like it was their first outing. Like it was off their first album, and so like they've definitely matured and like changed to some degree. They're a lot more clear now. They're not as like heavy into like the distortion yeah yeah well i'll give them a shot yeah especially if you say that they're not too bad i'll i don't think they're awful i think yeah. they're worth i'll give you a shot with. i mean i know that we do have different tastes and stuff but it doesn't mean i won't right give it a shot so yeah man um yeah well somebody here probably kaylee right. your turn so the next album i'm going to talk about is definitely blatantly a concept album yeah but it's 
an amazingly dark and beautiful album, and it is the Heroin Diaries soundtrack. Oh, yeah. By 6 a.m. Released August 21st, 2007. It's their first studio album. And the singles off this album was Life is Beautiful, Pray for Me, Tomorrow, and Accidents Can Happen. So this album, quick story, I got this album on a road trip down to Des Moines and I was wanting some new music. And somebody had told me, oh, just pick up this album. It's super good. You'll like it. So I trusted them and they weren't wrong. (laughs) I picked this album up and I picked up uh, Five Finger Death Punch's first album. And I listened to those on my way down to to Iowa and the first track on this album called X Mr. Hell is an intro and yeah. it's Nikki Six talking from an entry of one of his diaries and it's a big just fucking slap in the face <laughs> like right away you're just like Ugh! <laughs> it makes you definitely not want to do drugs so the concept of this album is all about Nikki Six who is the uh, bassist and the forming leader and primary songwriter of Molly Crew. Yep. So he's the one who formed the band, started the band, and wrote 90% of the songs. So it's his fault. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but he was also the wild card. He was the wild man. He was the guy who, in the band, I mean, they were a pretty rough band to begin with. Like, amazing that none of them died uh, and stayed dead. <laughs> right. No shit. But Nikki Six was the one who took everything to the extreme. He usually started it and tried to end it, or if anything, he definitely started everything. Uh, he was the asshole. He was the druggie. He was all this shit. Mm-hmm. And he was addicted to heroin. During this discourse of using heroin, he was apparently writing journals. And he, as a now recovering uh, yeah. sober for several several years um, he was like cleaning out his attic one day and found all these journals up there and he started reading through them and he was compelled to type them up and kind of have some closure he said he never really felt closed like he had some closure he never really got past it and left it you know that in the chapter of his life behind him yep. so he decided he was going to type them up and kind of created this 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 Manual, um, this kind of memoir yeah. per se of his time doing drugs, but he was writing while he was on heroin, while he was in the midst of his high, he would write journal stuff. So I read the Her- heroin diary and, mm-hmm. um, it's fucking interesting. Yeah. And because it's his perspective, because it's him, him writing about himself. It's interesting on what he saw and what he felt and things like that. And the fact that he was, I guess, cognitive enough to actually write, whether it was as coherent, there, you know, neither there mm. here. It was just very interesting to hear about this guy talking about his experiences on drugs for 20 years or whatever. But what was the drastic thing about this that made it, his story unique was he died twice. He's technically died twice. Mm -hmm. And I think the second time he was dead for like two or three minutes or something like that. Um, So he's pronounced dead and then he came back somehow. And that was kind of when he decided, I need to to change my life around. Uh, He had a little more appreciation for life after that. And then he, you know, did more 
with his life after that. And he started at 6 a.m. and stuff. But the the cool thing about this was when he found these these diaries and he decided to type it up is he wasn't planning on doing anything with them. Yeah. He he brought them to a buddy who's actually the singer of 6 a.m. Oh, okay. And he kind of was like, hey, can you read this for me and whatever? And just to kind of, I guess, have some acknowledgement that he did something with it, I guess. Huh. And his uh, his buddy's like, so when's the movie coming out? I was like, there's no movie. He's like, what? It's like, this is a movie waiting to happen. Huh. And he's like, well, let's do something better. So the album is the Heroin Diaries soundtrack. The book is called The Heroin Diaries, A Year in the Life of a Shattered Rockstar. The first time I've ever heard of a soundtrack to a book. But it is so... So good, interesting, and uh, definitely worth listening to. Definitely worth uh, reading as well. And right. you definitely can piece together some of the lyrics and some of the things that are being said in the album from the book, especially the intro. I think hmm. he takes it right from one of his journals, like journal entries. Really, and I think that right there was when I found that out. I'm like, that's enough to be a big slap in the face. <laughs> so, Damn. so yeah, that was my. That's my, uh, I don't know, fifth <laughs> album, I guess. Some of that, yeah. Some of those lines. We're up there. Um, so I think the next, and the, the last two that I have are like, they have to encompass more than one album, so I'm going to do the band themselves. Mm. Uh, so the first one I'm going to talk about is Mastodon. Um, Mastodon, their first four albums were concept albums in so much they all dealt with an element um there was remission was fire leviathan was water blood mountain was earth and crack the sky was air or ether um and so but they also have other themes to them as well like leviathan actually was also a retelling of moby dick Um, which makes sense yeah um, or at least by the name. Yeah. And then Blood Mountain is literally a con- a story of traveling up this mountain, and each track has certain things that they encounter, like Colony of Birchmen, which is about seeing tree people, um, things of that nature. Uh, and then there's also, like, Crack the Sky is a much weirder concept album in so much like it deals with, like, astral projection and, like, czarist Russia. So interesting. I was just reading the the basic premise of the of the thing, and so there is a paraplegic, and the only way that he can go anywhere is if he astral travels. He goes out of his body into outer space, and a bit like Icarus, he goes too close to to the sun, burning off the golden umbilical cord that is attached to his solar plexus. So he's in outer space, and he's lost. He gets sucked. He gets sucked into a wormhole. He ends up in the spirit realm, and he talks to spirits, telling them that he is not really dead. So they send him to the to a Russian cult. They use him in a divination, and they find out his problem. They decide they're going to help him, and they put his soul into Rasputin's body. And Rasputin goes to usurp the Tsar, and he is murdered. So the two souls fly out of Rasputin's body through the crack in the sky, and Rasputin is the wise man that is trying to lead the child to home to his body. Because his parents have discovered him by now and think that he is dead. 
Rasputin needs to get him back into his body before it's too late, but they end up running into the devil along the way, and the devil tries to steal their souls and bring them down. <laughs> that's a fucking story. Like, that's... That is, uh... That's kind of intense. These guys are super intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Would you say that their music is kind of styled as? Like, math metal? No, that was Mudvayne we talked about. Oh! With, with math metal. I think, I think I heard them referred to as math metal at some point. Um... Either way, these guys are super yeah. intelligent dudes. Yeah, uh, didn't you say one of them's from Harvard, or maybe maybe somebody told me that one That's of them went to possible. school with Harvard or maybe um, Juilliard? I don't, I don't. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm that, getting all mixed up with somebody else. But that has to be something I read into. I couldn't tell you on offhand. Yeah, we went um, and seen them with Clutch. Yeah, we saw yeah saw them with Clutch. Clutch actually, uh, the lead singer of Clutch Neil Fallon is on one of my favorite songs by Mass Song, which is off Leviathan. It's called Blood and Thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, did did they play that? I, I like, think they did, but Neil like didn't did. come out for it. Like the, really? oh. I thought maybe they did, but I know, no, I don't think they got that far back in their catalog at that oh. point. I think they because this is like right after Once More Around the Sun came oh. out, so they still had. This was a, once more around the sun is like their sixth album. Yeah. So they had plenty of fucking material to work with for two or three albums. It was a long time ago too. I don't yeah. really remember too much of the the show anymore. Yeah. It, but yeah, so like these guys are super super intelligent, um, and there's always hidden meanings. Like they've gotten away from concept albums for a while. Like once more around the sun and the hunter were mm-hmm. both not concept albums. Emperor of Sand ended up being a concept album. Uh, they wrote about a guy in who's handed a death sentence in the desert. And then that had to do with a lot of the fact that they had friends or family members that died of cancer. Um, yep. So, yeah, so they got back. It's a personal meaning behind it. It's it's almost like they do it for, th- for a therapy's sake. They tell a story and kind of get out their feelings that way. That's what music is, man. It's, yeah. what, music is. it's what art is. Exactly. Art and a, and a whole... Uh, but yeah, so that's that's where I'll stop on that one. Um, what do you got? Well, I think I'm gonna quickly do two of them, sure. because one of them I'm not actually sure if it's a concept album, but I know that when I first got it, it, sound, it seemed like it was. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm gonna do my one of the one I actually have written down. So 30 seconds to Mars, which talked about plenty of times before yeah. big 30 oh, seconds sure. mars fan big jared leto fan their first album which is self-titled uh it was released august 27 2002 i bought this album as soon as it came out uh, it's the first studio album and their singles was capricorn a brand new name and edge of the earth so the when i first heard capricorn i'm like oh i love this song instantly i was like i dig it i like it and i want to get the album and i listened to the album and i was pretty obsessed with the album for a while yeah it came out uh super interesting unique they have a electronic rock sound to them mm-hmm. and they do it very very well too um but they're their their sound their mood to it has this very spacey operatic kind of spacey electronic rock sound to them yeah and when i use the term operatic i don't really mean like an opera sound as much as it's like a like a story mm-hmm. that you would feel like an yeah. uh, like an actual opera to the music that that's exactly what they're doing they're telling Opera's stories the original concept album really it, it really is yep um and they're 
their concept is about reflection and catharsism and like the idea of self-developing and ascension or mm. ascending to something more and pure to oneself gets very spiritual. Sounds and the good. reason, and with that whole spacey kind of feel that they have through their music, it totally, totally comes together very yeah. well. And I love it. I dig it. It's, a, it's still one of my favorite albums of theirs. And um, then they went and did a brand new name, which, or not brand new name, they did A Beautiful Eye, which was their second album, which totally did different sound. Yeah. Each album, they just keep changing their sounds, entirely different from the last. And I respect that. Yeah. I definitely, definitely respect that. They're trying to really say, hey, we can do more than just this. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, uh, the other one I wanted to do was, it was one that just came to me. And I remember it being very, very unique. And that was uh, Fair to Midland. And oh, the yeah, album, their the first album, which I'm talking about, is Fables from a Mayfly. What mm. I Tell You Three, three times, times is True. Yeah. And this album may not necessarily be a concept album that I'm aware of, mm. but each song in there is a fable story of some sort. I don't know yeah. if it's a real fable story, like something you would hear, but it has each each song is a story that they're telling as if it's a fable. And the music is super, super unique. They were yeah. very unique. They were, I think they were the first band to get signed to Serge's label. Maybe. Think, uh, the label is Republic sp- Records. Oh. So I don't I know. They're on Surgical Strike. Oh, yeah, well. but the the album, their their sound to me was very unique because they were like a, a well, it says here, and this is actually exactly what I think: progressive rock, art rock, alternative metal, folk metal, yeah. and new prog. Oh yeah, that totally. Fits. Any one of those fits. Yep. And my first thought is like it's like folk metal because it is very folky. They're telling folk stories mm-hmm. and then they just put Maybe it behind some of the some of the i feel like they use some instruments that are pretty folky too at yeah least to, at least in there like i don't think they play them like specifically but that's their first single which is what i heard on the radio which made me really like them mm-hmm. was um dance of the manatee yeah and it's not it's the only song i know by that. yeah and the video was very unique but it's pretty much about a giant coming in and like taking over this town and these town villages folk people get sick of it so they take this giant down and that's like the choruses or something like that is like the bigger they are the harder they fall <laughs> and it was it's such a unique song yeah such a, a good song too such a badass oh yeah it's, it's a really good song and it's definitely one that like you never mistake it for someone else no like it can't very be someone unique, else's work very unique sound and uh, yeah, I mean, this album came out in 2007. I remember picking it up, going, "God, this is." I still have the album, but it, it's it was good. Yeah, it was unique. It was original, and it was good. So that's all I have. Wash my hands. <laughs> I'm done. Right, well, I'll go over the last thing I got, and I'll just glaze over it real quick. Uh, so, Coheed and Cambria do. All their albums, except for one, uh, the album The Color Before the Sun, is a chapter from this overarching story called The Amory Wars, which is... So yeah, it says, Each of Cody and Cambria's studio albums, with the exception of The Color Before the Sun, tells a chapter in the saga originally narrated by Sanchez's lyrics. Um, it's actually... I don't know if I'm reading right. 
It's a series of science fiction comic books and novels created by the singer and published by Evil Inc. Comics. Evil Inc. Comics. Yeah. Sounds kind of like a badass name. The name also refers to the fictional conflict at the center of the story, which is told across the published works and is also pri- the primary focus of most of the band's music. So, like, every album is a chapter from the story. Yeah. And I always think that I, I thought it was really interesting the fact that he had to. Um, he essentially, to tell a prequel to the story, had to go make his own band, like his other, his side project band. Yeah, he had more to say, but he couldn't do it yeah. with his band. Yeah, because to- he's already telling this story with this band. He's like, I got to tell something else. I got to go do this other thing. He's, so he had a, another band called the Prize Fighter Inferno, which is literally just him doing electronic music and telling a prequel story to the Amory Wars. So and I've just pretty impressive, yeah. And I've just recently kind of gotten into them. So, um, so yeah, I uh, I don't know. I think they're really interesting, and I think they're kind of cool to listen to. Um, What's up? I'd go look at the Wikipedia page to get a better understanding because there's a lot to it. Yeah, Um, I'm not gonna go dive into it. We've already gone on long enough. It's a very in depth uh, story for sure. I never gave them a shot. Uh, Welcome Home was the only song that I... I absolutely loved that song because mm-hmm. it had that cashmere feel. Yeah. Um, I had a hard time, though, getting over his voice. Yeah, it was a, you always had a problem with his, his vocals. He's a talented fucking musician, though. I mean, he's yeah. an amazing guitarist mm-hmm. and definitely an amazing songwriter. But I had a hard time with his voice. It was very, very high-pitched. Yeah, it He is. could probably hit that high C and shatter some glass, I swear. But... <laughs> I can't use it against him, and I should give it a shot now that I'm older, especially. Right. Because I can tolerate a lot more, and I have more appreciation for it. But I've never disrespected them either. So, hell yeah. Yeah. So, I think next we're going to... We'll do our random shuffle and our random yeah. album. So, Aram, I'm going to leave it up to you. We already did our random album beforehand, <laughs> but... I kind of want to do a new one. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Okay, we'll 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 do that then. We'll do a new random album. Let, let's tell people what we're getting away from, just to give them an understanding. <sighs> we last time when we recorded this, we did our random album, and it was Vampire Weekend. Contra was Con- the name of the album. Contra, yeah. yep. We both got two tracks into it before we're like, I don't know if we can do this. It was pretty bad. Pretty right. tough. I don't want to hate on it so much, but it's just not it's not our music at all. And it was really tough to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> a lot going on, and it was just kind of a headache. Um, so I think this is the first time that we're going to wimp out. And um, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll, if it comes back later, fine. We'll do it. Right. Yeah. But if, if somehow we end up with it again, or if like, we just we'll do decide it. to man up about it, but for right now, we're going to we're we're gonna gonna back skip. out. It's, I. I also figured we'd do, uh, because I didn't write it down, I don't remember what song I had before, yeah. we'd do a new random shuffle song, yep. so. Sweet. Mind. All right, well, let's uh, let's do the random album first. I have it up already, and we'll just kind of hit sh- shuffle, so. Do it. Bam. Uh, okay, so the album is When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Don't know what the band is though. Is that the name of the band or is that 
the album? Oh, God. It's Billie Eilish. Oh. I hate Billie Eilish. I'd rather listen to Vampire Weekend. <laughs> uh, I'll leave it up to you, man. I feel I feel like we should just do this one and Yeah, I mean we already backed out a while. Yeah, can't keep fun. doing that. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Alright. Fine. So it's Billie Eilish. When we all fall asleep, where do we go? That's the album that we'll have to listen to and talk about next time. Alright, what's your what's your first random shuffle? My random shuffle is the song's called I Feel Like I'm Drowning by uh Two Feet. Hmm. Yep, I know that song. Um, I heard it on the radio one day, and I was like, I kind of dug it, and yeah, uh-huh. I just it's a little dark and ominous to it. Yeah, it's just got a good, got a good beat to it. It's, it's kind of catchy, but yeah, it's, it's super slow and super dark. It's also like the big single too. That sounds that yeah, it's, there, it's like everywhere. It's a good song though. I like it. I, I actually was listening to it earlier today. Hell yeah, um, mine is "You Should Be Sad" by Halsey. I love Halsey. Yeah. This song in particular, too, I really, really freaking enjoyed. Um, the other song on this album was Graveyard. Uh, but I like this song. So it was one of those songs where I first fell in love with Halsey off of Badlands. Her whole album is very sassy, very angsty. It was unique, original, dark. I think they call them a dark pop. And it definitely shows. But I really fell for her music on that album and then I listened to her second album and I had a good couple good songs on there and yeah. it wasn't horrible and then she then I found out she came out with like this album later and <laughs> and uh, I really liked you know uh, To the Graveyard or whatever her first single off this album and then I heard this I song I probably heard it and I don't probably it's everywhere but it hey. should be sad sounds more familiar like I yeah I heard, sure. heard this song and I'm like she's pretty much saying like you whoever she's talking about it's about love or relationships like yeah. you're kind of a piece of shit and like you're I'm glad I'm not with you and you should be sad that we're not together because yeah. I'm better than this yeah. <laughs> and I'm like fuck yeah you tell it son of a bitch <laughs> so, but that's what I have so I guess we can uh, wrap it up so a little bit of uh, information here feel free please to you can get a hold of us at uh B banter bros at gmail and it's B and B. Yep. So it's B A N D banter bros at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Anything Is they have B-A-N-D-B to say. B A N D B banter yeah, so bros. B and yeah. B. Okay. Yep. You didn't say the second B the, that last time, so I want um, to make double sure. I didn't yeah. know if maybe you're doing nope. the clever little play on words. B and B banter bros. And you can also hit us up on Facebook too. B and B banter bros on facebook and then we also have an instagram account so check that one out it's instagram yep it's b n b banter bros so have to keep changing this shit around <laughs> but yeah feel free to get a hold of us or check us out on any of those platforms we would really love it we'd like love to be able to talk to you guys so i'm timothy bennett i'm aaron banyan and we'll catch you later, later. peace out i'm back to her that